Welcome to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick in roughly the order that they were published in. In this episode, I'll be looking at a story from 1954 called The Turning Wheel. This story was published during or was written during a time of intense creativity for Philip Dick. It was in the, the summer of 1953. Around this time, he wrote... The Last of the Masters, The Father Thing, and The Golden Man, um, which are all pretty important stories uh, for for Philip Kiddick fans. Now, the, and all these stories deal with quite different themes, actually. So it's it's, it's kind of wonderful. Uh, this particular story was not published until 1954, and you know one of the problems with doing this chronological approach to his works is that. You know, he wrote a bunch of stories, especially in like 1953, he wrote tons of stories and then he sent them out for publication and they got published, you know, when they got published and some of them quite a while after they were, they were written. So we don't always get the idea, the, the timeline of the ideas. Um, we just get the, uh, the timeline of when they were published. Um, but anyways, uh, The Turning Wheel is a story about religion. It's about uh, a story about technology and the tension between technology and and religion. So it was originally published in Science Fiction Stories in in their 19, 1954 issue, and I, I don't know the exact month that that it came out. Uh, let me check. All right, so it's, it's number two. So assuming it's a quarterly, it actually this it's, it would have been published a little bit earlier in 1954. So this is a bit out of order. Uh, for the podcast purposes, but number two, it may have been a bi-yearly journal. I don't know. I have to look it up. But um, anyways, definitely published in 1954. You can find it in the third volume of the Collected Stories of Philip K. Dick, the the second variety and other stories by Philip Dick version of it. Um, and so with that, let's get in. Let's try to get into the story. Oh, one more thing. It's not just any religion. It, it starts. To, it deals with Eastern religions, and I think this is the first time Dick explored Eastern religions in detail. Um, he's talked about religion, wrote about religion many times before, such as in the Skull, um, and in Prominent Author. Um, but he's going to play with Eastern religions a little bit, and this is one story where he does it, and he does it also in. Um, What's it? A little bit in faith of our fathers, certainly. Um, the black box plays with this. Um, so there's a few examples. Oh, and especially uh, the man in the high castle. So he's he's going to become interested in more seriously interested in Eastern religion at some point in his career. But this might be the first sign that that he has a fascination for for Buddhism. So we have now. It's not quite Buddhism in this. Um, story, but it's there's Buddhist themes and ideas in this religion that's the dominant religion in the world at the time of the story is written. And our, our characters are East Asians. We have a Bard Chai uh, is talking with Bard Sung Wu. 
about the emergence of dangerous cults threatening this dominant religion, which is called the Holy Arm. And it's 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 an Eastern religion. It's it's I'm gonna just try to describe it. It's centered on the belief uh, in a type of reincarnation based on the turning of a wheel. So I guess all reincarnation is sort of based on this idea. This samsara is what it's called in in Hinduism that there's this cycle of death and rebirth. And the way we escape it is kind of through our craft or through meditation or through devotion to a gods, right? And then the Buddhists reform this and say, you know, you, you really need enlightenment to escape this cycle. We need to really, what we need to get away from what's binding us to this earth, and that's desire, right? But both have this idea of samsara, which is the cycle of death and rebirth. And that's sort of here. But here, it, the metaphor for it is the turning of a wheel. Uh, of course, uh, Stephen King will will play with a similar idea, calling Ka, which is fate in in his Dark Tower series, a wheel. Ka is a wheel. He says it. He writes it many times in that that series. Now, the most dangerous cults emerge from the lower classes, and especially lower class Caucasians, many of whom are just lower class. So we have a uh, something like what we have in Manify Castle and the Black Box, where Asians sort of dominate dominate the systems and the institutions of the world. And the most popular cult among the lower class Caucasians are the technos. So basically they're technology fetishists, and that's almost seen as a religion, which suggests that the ruling class is not that technologically savvy or interested, um, but we'll see later on that they actually do have a lot of technologies. Chai orders Song Wu to Detroit to investigate the rise of this particular cult. Song Wu goes to visit Bard Fei Peng, uh, who controls the time-space scanner. You know, this is a technology Dick uses a lot. He uses it in Medler, for instance, and Paycheck to a degree. It's just basically a time travel scanner. It lets you see into the future or see into the past. And he'll use it for different for, for, for functions. Oh, it's in James P. Crow as well. Um, that'd actually be a really good project is to just to taxonomize and list all the technologies and, and concepts and where they've been used. That might be useful for Philip Dick students and fans and scholars. Anyway, Sunwoo looks at the scanner and he looks into the future and finds it unchanged despite the considerable efforts at atonement. Or he finds his future unchanged. So he goes, this is one use of this technology is to look at your own future. And he gives money to charity. He self-flagellates, but he doesn't see his future changing. And in his future, he sees that he'll die of, of a disease. He'll be buried in a mass grave and he'll descend one step down on the ladder of reincarnation due to his sins and the sins particularly committed as a youth. So what he sighs, sees is that the world, the wheel's going to turn for him. He's going to be reincarnated and in a bad way, you know, karma is going to get him. And he's pretty fatalistic about that. And it's all based on decisions he made as a child, but he still carries on that karma. He'll be unable to rectify his sins before the wheel will turn for him. So he, he uses the scanner to kind of see his own personal fate. Sung Woo heads out to Detroit and the narrator discusses the social structure. There's a strict caste structure with the bards on top. These are, these are like the religious caste. This is followed by the poets, the artists, the musicians. So we got kind of the underneath the bards, the religious caste is an artistic caste. Then we have the workers. Then we have the businessmen. The warriors, the warriors are pretty far down compared to a lot of pre-modern social hierarchies that tended to put the warrior higher up in the caste. And then we have the farmers, and at the bottom are the technos. The technos are the bottom of the social order. 
the tinkerish cult so they're tinkerers which is something that dick's quite fond of actually we know from the variable man and other stories that dick likes the tinkerer and he's he, he he thinks that's a better alternative to kind of automated industrial work is is kind of the jack of all trades tinkerer uh, i wrote I, I gave a whole essay on on the variable man uh, a few months ago so you might want to go back and look at that if you're not familiar with Dick's views of, of technology. And then we'll have stories coming up where we'll say more about it too. The Autofact and Pray for Printer in particular. Now, the upper classes widely believe that the Caucasians who dominate the lower Catholic, at least in numbers, I mean, most of the poor people are white, they're inferior due to the introduction of Neanderthal blood. Now, this idea that Neanderthal blood enters into white people I don't know where that started, and I'd be fascinated to know if, if it was an idea that anthropologists had in the early 20th century. I do know that that some, like even today, some right, like white supremacist and, and alt-right types will, will make this argument. And I don't know if the Nazis actually made this argument explicitly. They may have. That white people are descended not from the same, or ancestors as everyone else. They're actually descended partially from from Neanderthal blood, and that's what makes them, in the view of white supremacists, uh, a leadership position among the races, is this Neanderthal blood. And in this case, it's, it's what makes them inferior. The Indians, the Mongoloid, and the Bantu members of the higher caste, so these are the other main races determined in this world. Um, basically, the, the brown, the yellow, and the black. Um, they rarely associate with Caucasians. So Song Wu arrives in Detroit and asks a Bantu boy, and, and these, these terms are what Dick gives, and I'm assuming they're becoming the common terms, replacing black or Asian or something. So he meets the Bantu boy for directions to the nearby techno communities. The boy he meets appears to be unschooled in the religion of the turning wheel. He lectures these uninitiated children on the fundamental principles of the religion and of the faith, basically they learn and again this is something dick always does at this time i don't you know he doesn't he's not really good at this i think of, of delivering information in a short story to readers in a way that doesn't involve like lecturing i want things that you'd think characters would know it'd be like me running it'd be like me and telling a short story and i need to explain christianity to the reader and so i'm in 1950 america and i stop and explain the tenets of christianity to a wandering person well you know everyone would know that it, it's a kind of a weird thing but it's a way of delivering information and setting up this world and so we get it here and in this case it's the the foundation of the religion so it's handled a little bit better here because at least it's plausible you can meet someone who doesn't know the faith so through each individual lifetime the wheel turns and it pushes individuals up and down the cosmic ladder based on the deeds in life i'm sort of sort of reminded of the uh the solar lottery too but this, this idea that there's a, a, a gigantic wheel that, that can tip and, and determine our fate. But here it's based on karma. Before his lecture can end, though, he's approached by two technos. Sung Wu is taken to the lower class villages. One of the technos is named Jameson, and he takes Sung Wu to a fat Indian. I think that's South Asian Indian, who appears to be in charge of the community. Sung Wu scolds him for intermingling with Caucasians and lower caste people. The Indian tells him that he interprets the teachings of the founder of the faith, the turning will faith, Elrond, to mean that all men are brothers and that these racial divisions are a blight on society. Song Wu, of course, agrees, which is why 
he supports the gradual decline of the lower classes through restrictions on reproduction. So this is a very common thing, and you had a lot of it actually in the post-war world. This, I, you know, as you had the Green Revolution, and as you got proper medical care to a lot of parts of the world, population increase grew in places that were traditionally fairly unpopulated or less populated, like Sub-Saharan Africa. You started having uptakes in populations. You know, even though to this day, Sub-Saharan Africa is, is not very densely populated, there's still this perception that there's there's too many for the economy. That's why they're poor, right? This Malthusian idea, what I'm trying to get at. This Malthusian idea that people are poor because they over-reproduce or something. This is really faulty because it looks at people only as as consumers, not as producers. In fact, in fact, we're both, right? Um, but Song Wu says the way to eliminate poverty is to eliminate the poor people. And, and that's, of course, doesn't really work. But um, getting rid of the rich would be a lot more useful, I would think. But that's Song Wu is part of the ruling class. So he says just, yeah, I, I also want to get rid of the poor underclass. And we'll do that by not letting them have kids. The Indian tells Sung Wu that Elrond himself was a Caucasian. And this is like horrifying. So it'd be like black Jesus to some white evangelicals. A parade of marches approach with fanatic looks in their faces and they're holding poles of shiny, newly forged metal. The final marcher carries a pennant with a giant T on it. This is the cult of the Tinkerists. Sung Wu escapes an attack by the cult and he realizes that this entire region, all classes, all races are sympathetic to the Tinkerers. He fears the movement's rising will usher in a new time of the machines. And this is capital letter, time of the machine, or the time of madness. Sorry, not time of the machines. But this is, of course, we can imagine someone in a post-apocalyptic environment looking back and blaming technology, blaming advanced technology for a global catastrophe, right? Disease or war or whatever. Probably war, considering this was written in the early 50s. Sung Wu's ship is seized by the Caucasians. Sung Wu escapes to a farm where he finds a young girl capturing beetles. Horrified at this disrespect for recently deceased brothers, and there's this Buddhist idea, right, that you can be reborn as animals or plants or insects based on your previous karma. And she's kind of horrified by this, or he's horrified by this. And Sung Wu scolds the girl. Her name is Frigya. Kind of Nordic name there. So Frigya invites Sung Wu to stay with them. He hopes to use this opportunity to live in the region and turn back to be the missionary, to turn back their descent into tinkerism and to techno, technologicalism or whatever, and resort, restore the holy arm and, and the, the, the dominant faith in this region. Phrygia introduces Sung Wu to her grandfather, whose name is Benjamin Tinker. So we got a kind of two meanings of tinkerer as the religion. One is they seem to have a founder named Benjamin Tinker. And then there's this idea of the tinkerer as a, you know, someone who, who manipulates and, and, and takes advantage of technology. So after cleaning up and eating, Sung Wu worries that his illness is progressing more, more rapidly. Um, he concludes that free will interfered with the predictions laid out in the time-space scanner. So he starts to think about his own mortality and where he's going to end up. Ben Tinkerer explains that they're doing what they're doing in the district. They're doing all kinds of progressive things. They're using technology. They're irrigating crops. They're using artificial fertilizer. They're spraying for insect control. Now, Sung Wu accuses Ben, the head tinkerer, of meddling with a cosmic plan. Of course, you know, we, we've already talked about the story Meddler, which has this idea of meddling in the future. 
to change the past. It's a really great story, by the way. Or a lot of fun anyways. Now, Ben's a bit conflicted about what to do here. He, he needs to somehow get rid of Sung Woo because he's could be a threat to what they've doing there. But if he kills Sung Woo, there'll be more agents of the Holy Arm. They'll come. If he lets him know that, you know, if he lets them in, this might disrupt the efforts to develop the area using science, essentially, that he might be successful in converting the area back to this anti-technological philosophy called the, the Holy Arm. Sung Woo threatens them with a descent on the cosmic ladder. So all he can really do is say, like, you're going to hell, or, or well, I guess they don't have hell, but you'll, you'll come back as beetles. He then explains to Ben that he has seen his own death, and, and Ben asks for the symptoms of, of his future illness, because Sung Woo knows kind of what he's going to die of. So he's seen his future, and he, he tells him kind of what he's going to die of. So it's kind of implied here that Sung Woo basically was treated uh, by a for first future illness by Ben Tinkerer using technology. So, but we jump ahead in time, and Sung Woo returns to the Holy Arm and reports that the Tinkerer movement is weak and will soon fall apart. It lacks strong leadership. He leaves for a promised vacation to Europe. The Tinkerers had given him some penicillin capsules that he can take to prevent the plague when he is struck when he struck by it in eight months. So he's going to survive the plague. And I, I think the way it's worded in the story is it's not outright said he has penicillin, but quote, he was the first bar to wear a rosary of penicillin capsules. So basically he has in his religious accoutrements. He's, he has penicillin pills, which he's going to be able to use to get past an illness in the future. And he'll live. He'll not die. He'll have more time to correct his karma and move up in in, in the stage of, of existence. I mean, yeah, that's if the turning wheel religion is true. So that's the story. Uh, a really great one. It's exciting. Uh, this would be one. If, if you were to ask me, like, what stories would I have adapted for Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams? I mean, I don't think they made horrible choices, but you know, I think in a couple of cases they should have kept with the plot a little bit more. But The Turning Wheel would be top of my list of a story because it it's just a lot of fun. It deals with a lot of interesting ideas on religion. Actually, I think um, the other one, um, like The Null Ol, Ol and um, To Serve a Master, also kind of written on this period of time, are all good stories that would have been nicely adapted. Um so I, I like it. Um, it's I really like the turn the focus on like a, an Asian dominated world, which is something I think Europeans are having to come to terms with maybe for the next century. I don't know if Dick predicted this because um, you know he has in Man of the High Castle Asians dominating U Americans, but that's because he just imagines Japanese winning World War Two. Uh, so the turning wheel is one of Dick's attempts to frame the diverging values of religion and technological lives. So after a devastating war, a technocratic and capitalist class is blamed. So society that emerges from the ashes of war of that conflict is focused on religion, art, and music. The social structure seems to be a slightly more complicated version of the Confucian social system, which placed sages on the top, followed by peasants, then workers and merchants. It's a little mixed up here. So peasants are put farther down, but workers or like tech technocrats and these guys are, put, are really put down too. Um, it's, it's basically the Confucian sage scholars on top, then the main producer who makes food, the peasant, then people who make other stuff, then it's people who just trade because they don't create value. They just move things around. That, that's the Confucian idea anyways. 
The social system, though, that emerges after the war is also characterized by racial divisions. And putting ourselves in the 1950s, it's not hard to imagine that it would have been Caucasians who started the war. So maybe they're being blamed for the cause of the war. They're separated as the lowest class and made up make up the entire population or most of the population of the lower caste. The technos, almost all technos are white. There is something kind of inauthentic about this division. The bards and the people at the top of the so order, social order use technology. They have one of the greatest technologies Dick imagines, which is the Tafe space-time scanner, which allows them to read the future. Now, just what this means for religion is, is fascinating, because if you have such a technology, you, you can be a prophet. Right? It's as good as being a precog. It's a technological way to be a precog. But it also... In this story, it's part of their religious speculations and it's part of their religious system. And not just to manipulate audiences, but it seems to be a real part of their religious uh, practice. They also use guns and ships for transportation, uh, but they seem to be often breaking down. Harder to see though, and, and I think this is key, is that the, the ruling class here is embracing a very modern scientific form of racism and eugenics. So their racial policies are all not, are, are not primeval they are very modern especially with the embrace of eugenics and this idea of population control and in fact in our world this kind of eugenics idea and zero population growth and and, and all this is something embraced by technocrats sung Wu, who seems to be quite the zealot is easily convinced of the basic need for medical care and eagerly accepts life-saving medicine so there's not a it's not like he's not an anti-vaxxer kind of thing. So, and, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure the movement of the turning wheel as a whole is. Now they're ideologically opposed to technology, but not in a practical way. Um, so we see the motif of the new religious movement come up again here. Uh, we've seen this before in other uh, Dick stories, especially the, the skull and prominent author. As I, I mentioned those before, but there's a few others. But this is, the, I guess, the most fully fleshed out example of the origin of a movement. From the perspective of the Holy Arm and the, tink the Tinkerers are a new religion, but in the context of its advocacy for the use of technology that create a, a, a rebellious subculture, it's, 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 it's kind of a bit old fashioned, too. I mean, to the degree like the Industrial Revolution was a, was a, was a started out small by a bunch of crazy nuts in England and then spread to be a global civilization. Anyways, um, what else do we have here? The tinkerers themselves are a religion. They, they have religious fanaticists. They reinterpret the dominant religious traditions and they have their own religious iconography. Now, perhaps in a world where the ruling class is profoundly religious and the system is based on religious philosophies the alternative would need to fit themselves into that cultural superstructure and that's to kind of come at it in a bit of a marxist way another motif that will come up again in dick's fiction is the rise of an eastern religion the holy arm seems to have very very strong influences but its core theology is strongly asian focusing on the belief of reincarnation and karmic balance so it's kind of a, pro, a type of buddhism whatever the turning wheel religion is it's coming out of buddhism but it also seems to be informed by Catholic-style hierarchies, the fact that you have bards, which are sort of like a monk class, and then the focus on discipline and control, 
which you don't see so much in Buddhism in practice. Now, maybe this is just Dick just taking superficially Buddhism and then imagining all religious people are, are like uh, Torquemada. Or he's kind of combining, you got kind of the, the inquisitorial evangelical missionary attitude along with kind of Buddhist philosophy. Much of the significance of the story of the turning wheel <clears throat> is that it's his most significant variation in his technophobia. Um, and I, I use that kind of with some hesitation. Is he fully technophobic? Well, he certainly hates automation and he's fearful of automation. And we don't see that really here. He likes the tinkerers though. So here we see where, along with the variable man, we see kind of his model of what technology can be good. Total rejection of technology is not only inauthentic, but, and it's a complete lie because obviously the turning wheel or the, 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 the religious caste here don't reject technology at all. So it's inauthentic, but it's dangerous and stifling. So like in Souvenir, the turning wheel paints a picture of a small-scale local technological post-scarcity, where now in this case, this post-scarcity is sustained by, by keeping a bunch of people in, in absolute poverty. But among the non-whites, there seems to be a type of post-scarcity. The tinkerers, though, have achieved something great. They're, they're able to escape poverty using technology. And in this sense, they're kind of like Williamson's world. Like they're, they're freaks, they're weirdos who kind of go their own way. But in doing so, they create a really kind of satisfying model for a sustainable civilization. The tinkerers do not allow technology to dominate their lives, though. Neither do they turn their back on technologies that can make clear improvements over on their lives. Now, once again, Dick shows that technology can be powerfully liberating if it's framed in a way that maintains human autonomy and is committed to real progress, not vulgar commercialism and war. Now, we have a war, though. So the war disrupts things, but it allows a new class of technocrats to emerge who value technology as a, as a practice, as almost a religion, as something that you work at and you, you kind of put effort behind. And I think that's one of the things that makes The Turning Wheel really a, a rather fascinating story about technology as well as about religion. So definitely this is one of the stories to, to read. There, there's a lot of Philiptic stories you, you can't afford to miss. I don't think The Turning Wheel is one of them, especially if you're interested in his views on technology and his views on, on religion. So uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode on The Turning Wheel. I look forward to your feedback. If you do have comments, you can send them to 100pagescast at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, I'll, I'll be back shortly with another Philip K. Dick story. And uh, thank you so much for, for listening. Come and possess my tired thoughts once That leaving dies, that leaving dies.